Well, hi there, and welcome to Unshaken. I'm Julie Van Warmer, your host for today's episode, and I'm so glad you're joining me. I want to take a minute before we get started and invite you to head over to our socials, Facebook and Instagram. Follow or like us at Women of the Word CTW. This is our umbrella account that covers and highlights this podcast, Unshaken. Our blog called Planted, our mom-to-mom ministry aimed at encouraging mothers in the work they do, and also our Regarding Him conference that happens yearly in March. There is so much good content on these socials. You are not going to want to miss it, so go follow them today. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast directory, like Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, CastBox. It helps us out, and it also helps you out because you get notifications of new episodes that drop each and every Thursday. You can also reach out to us at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you if you ever have any ideas, suggestions, or thoughts about an episode. Or maybe you just want to tell me about something that you heard on an episode and how it impacted you. Finally, Unshaken is a podcast for women, put on by women, and our goal is to encourage and challenge and point women to Jesus Christ. And as you know, with Jesus, we can be unshaken no matter our circumstances. All right, ladies, it's time to wrap up this four-part series called Purpose. Let's take a minute and review from the last three episodes that were focused on this topic. So episode 135 was called Truth, and it's just a focus on the fact that we need to know truth, the truth of the Bible, in order to live our lives the way that God has planned for us to live them. Episode 137 was called Design. We have a very clear design from God, and we are called by God to be life givers and do the good works that he has called us to do. Episode 137 is called Grow. Focused on these concepts that you and I are called by God to grow in our lives each day by seeking him and doing what he calls us to do. And today we're going to finish up this four-part series with our final installment, and it is just entitled Serve. April Kincaid is going to walk us through how important serving is in our everyday life as we serve God first and foremost. So if you were to look at my refrigerator, you would think I was (laughs) well-traveled. I have magnets from all different kinds of places. Some of them are tropical, some are cities, some are places I've never been. So really, my refrigerator kind of misrepresents me. I'm only mediocrely traveled. (laughs) I collect magnets from places I've been, but I also have friends who have contributed to my magnet collection. Today, this morning, we've been collecting truths, and we've been putting them in our pockets for later. So when we get home, we're going to take them all out, and we're going to put them on the fridge of our minds. But in reality, a lot of us are going to treat those truths just like the magnets on my fridge. We're going to talk about them. We're going to talk how good it was to hear all these things, but we won't do anything about them. It's it's going to become a destination we've never actually experienced. So let's not waste our time today. Let's take action. And what am I talking about? We're going to talk about purposing to serve. We are to serve, and largely what I will talk about today is about serving in a church. Yes, I've served people in the grocery store, and I serve my neighbors when I can, because that's just being a good neighbor. But these acts of service stem from my primary service, which is service to the body of Christ in a church. 
So if you aren't part of a local church, I encourage you to be a part of one because there's no greater way to serve than to serve for and alongside God's people. So we will talk about service, but first I want to bust some myths about why we don't serve. The first myth I want to look at is, I don't know what my gifts are. When I was a senior in college, I had a different kind of a job. Now, first of all, let me tell you, I went to a very conservative Christian college. There were a lot of rules. So like think of as many rules as you can and then like double it. And that was probably about how many rules we had. So part of my job was I worked with my friend Sarah and we were on, in charge of one of the floors of our dorm and we had to enforce the rules. So we had about 100 women on our floor and we also had the opportunity to influence these girls. So Sarah and I were very different, but we complemented each other well. And in fact, our girls started calling us mom and dad. I was the um, person to leave notes of encouragement or snacks or hugs in a listening ear when there was homesickness or breakups. And she was more of the practical problem solver and like the ability to know what to do in difficult situations. So we had um, a job evaluation about mid-year of our senior year. And I have to tell you, this is the most negative job review I've ever had. I was told I was too nice, as if that was a bad thing. <laughs> so Sarah and I had a good laugh about that. And she actually gave me a book for Christmas, and it was called How to Be a Villain, because I needed to put a little edge on, apparently. <laughs> now, I'm so sorry, we don't offer this book today in our bookstore. So if you go looking for it, it's not there. <laughs> she had written me a note in the front of that book, and I had recently reread that note. Now, I feel like at my stage in life now, I'm just now starting to glimpse like how God has gifted me to serve him. But reading, reading that note, I realized like he's always gifted me in the same way. I've always been that person. But as I've said yes to opportunities put in front of me, he's revealed his purpose in my life more and more, little by little. We often don't serve because we think that we have to know exactly how we're gifted before we even can serve. When in reality, I think that serving reveals our gifts. It is helpful to know how to serve. But if we pigeonhole ourselves and serve only based on a few things, then we're really limiting what we might be able to learn. As a side note, if you are in need of getting to know people at a church or in otherwise, serving beside them is sometimes the easiest way to get to know people. So we don't really have to know exactly how we're gifted to serve. We can just serve. The second myth I want to look at is, I am too busy to serve. We are all busy. I want to establish that right now. We as women wear so many hats, all of us. And it's, it's really easy for us, though, to look at someone else and assume that, that we are so much busier than they are. And I know I've done exactly that. Now, my life has done a 180 here recently because after eight years of being on my own, I just got remarried a month ago. So it looks different, but when I was working full-time, I had to be away from my home for nine or more hours a day. It was non-negotiable, five days a week. Even when there was a level two snowstorm, I had to get to work. Now, if I'm focusing on myself, 
I can look at the homeschooling mom who posts on Instagram that she got to take her kids to a zoo field trip in the middle of the week on like this random spring day that was beautiful. Or I can see the mom who gets to hunker down with hot cocoa with her kids during a snowstorm. And I can assume my schedule is way worse than hers. But you know what? She can look at me and say, I must have all this free time because I don't have kids to take care of. And if I want to eat cereal for dinner, I can probably talk my husband into doing that. That's a real option. But she has to get meals on the table three times a day and do all that laundry, which is a never-ending process. And her job isn't just eight hours a day, it's 24. So we can all look at others and assume we have a worse schedule. The working mom can look with jealousy at the stay-at-home mom. The stay-at-home mom can desire work outside the home to make her feel like she has a purpose. The tired woman with a house full of kids can look with envy on the single girl who gets to take a last-minute trip with her friends. The truth is that God gives each of us our lives to live, and he challenges us to depend on him no matter what our lives look like. One of those challenges is obeying him while we are busy and in depending on him for the strength, time, and ability to do all the things he's asking us to do. I know there are stations in life that are busier than others. I'm not asking us to take on a hundred things. I'm just looking at our hearts. Are we willing to serve? Or do we use our, our schedule as an excuse not to serve? There's always someone who's busier than we are who is serving more. Again, I'm not encouraging us to compare with one another. But there's a reason that God has made us each different and brings us with different experiences and different abilities. And then he brings us to form together a body to work together. We can play different roles, and in different seasons, those roles will look different. Do we need to reevaluate our priorities and our schedule in order to serve like Christ? Maybe we need to take a look at how long we're on social media every day. So we've busted the first two myths. I don't have to know what my gifts are. And likely, I could reevaluate my schedule to see that I'm not really too busy to serve. The last thing I want to look at is saying, I'm not needed. Now, I'm a musician. And I, when I came to this church three and a half years ago, my prior church, I played the piano at almost every service. For extra services, I was always playing. That's mainly how I served in church um, during the services. It was a huge part of who I was. Now, I come here and there are a multitude of talented musicians. It would have been easy for me to say, well, since I can't play the piano every single service, I guess I'm just not needed. I don't need to serve anywhere. But God directed me here. I knew he had a purpose in it. So I just got busy volunteering for whatever that looks like. I cleaned up after a women's event, helped at a craft table for daddy-daughter dance. I was part of a woman's prayer team, took meals to a new mom. I played the cookies for a Christmas concert, watched kids for youth groups so that youth leaders could, could pray with the teenagers with undivided attention. None of these were glamorous jobs, but they're necessary and valuable, and they were opportunities to serve someone outside myself. What about you? Are you looking around and think, well, I'm not needed? Hmm, is it that you're not needed? Or just that maybe there's a different job for you to do? 
Serving in new ways or for the first time allows God to sharpen aspects of you that you may not even realize are dull. Okay, so we've busted these myths this morning. You don't have to know what your gifts are to serve. We can reevaluate our schedule and see if we're really too busy to serve. And you are needed in some capacity or another. Now I'm always tempted to take a lesson like this and make a checklist and see how I measure up. And I figure if I'm hitting about half of what's talked about, I'm doing pretty good and I can pat myself on the back. But I want to remind us that service is not a punch card. You don't do it once and call it successful and move on. It's ongoing. It's always. There's always a need. There's always a, a way to serve. I do want to give some examples just to jumpstart our creativity if you really need some help thinking of ways to serve. It's not an exhaustive list by any means, but there's a more important principle I want to apply after that. So we'll go through them kind of quickly. So you could volunteer at church. There's always a place to do that, either a greeter or whatever that looks like. You can show hospitality, give encouragement through a note, phone call, text. You can serve others the way you want to be served. You could take a meal to someone, have someone over for dinner, watch someone's children. You could listen and bear another's burden. And that you can do over the phone or Zoom or whatever that looks like right now. You can be generous with your time, your money. You can give preference to someone else and you can anticipate service. What I mean by that is look for it. The Holy Spirit will nudge you in certain ways, but you'll never find ways to serve if you're standing around with your eyes closed. So going along with all of that service, I want to focus in on two key words, guiding principles that will help us with what our service will look like. And those two words are love and sacrifice. If I look at every situation and apply love and sacrifice, I'm going to be serving others. Now, if I think of hospitality, and I think that that means that I'm having someone for dinner, so everything in my house must be perfect, and my plates have to match, and my linens have to match, and I have to carefully plan like a 12-course meal, and I, it must be ready when everyone gets there, and I can't be like sweaty or running around because it's got to look like everything was effortless, and the house has to smell good, and even that, you know, that drawer where we all like stash things, that should be organized, and I have to have a theme for the evening. Now, I've attended meals like this, and they're incredible, and they can still be hospitable, but is it more important for me to have things look like that, or am I showing love and sacrifice? Is it easy for me to rearrange my furniture so I can accommodate more people at my table, or am I so stuck on how everything looks that I couldn't have more than six people because that's what fits at my table? Is it easy for me to be sacrificially gracious towards the family whose child just colored on my wall with marker? Or do I care so much about my possessions that I put my wall in front of my relationship with them? Now, hospitality can definitely look like having someone for dinner, but it can also look like a fur coat. When I was two or three years old, we moved to Germany for three years. My dad was in the army. We attended a small missionary church there. It was really the only English-speaking church, so it was sort of where we found our home. 
and it was um, directly um, a missionary church to the military base. As a side note, the pastor's name was Beach, and he had four boys who we lovingly refer to as the Beach Boys, <laughs> although they can't really carry a tune in the bucket, so. <laughs> in that church was um, an elderly Dutch widow. She was from the town, and she became everyone's mom and grandma. And as you can imagine, in a military um, church, there was a constant turnover of people, and everyone's away from home. So she really had an important role to play. She had, her name was Frau Kuhn, and she had this very lovely fur coat. Now, I can't imagine she wore the coat every Sunday, but in my mind, like it was eternally winter there. So I always remember her in this coat. And my sister and I would take turns sitting with her in church, and we would snuggle up into that coat and normally fall asleep. But, you know, I was three, so... Um, I think that's the visual of love and sacrifice I'm talking about. Frau Kuhn, she didn't intend to use her fur coat to teach me what hospitality looks like, but it has. She gave of herself and even a prized possession, and she graciously was just kind and loving about it. And that mattered to three-year-old me, and it matters today. Colossians 3, 12 through 14 and 17 says this, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It said, whatever you do, in word and deed. Sometimes we're not even aware of the impact those whatevers have. I had a pastor friend who used to come to a conference each year, and he impacted me every time he preached. He was real and vulnerable. And he was bivocational, so he had a full-time job and also was in charge of a church. He clearly loved his people, and he just gave of himself in service. So the Holy Spirit had nudged my heart to write him a note, to just let him know like, what impact he had had in my life. It seemed kind of a random thought to me, and honestly, it was very uncomfortable because I only sort of knew him. And so I put it off, and I put it off some more. But the Holy Spirit wouldn't leave me alone, so eventually I wrote the notes and sent it off. The next time I saw him and his wife, he came up and thanked me for the note and said that he had been very discouraged and questioning whether or not he'd even had any impact in his service. And God had used my note to encourage him exactly when he needed it most. Fast forward a year from that time, and I found myself in the middle of a divorce and feeling profoundly devastated. I got a flower delivery. It was from that pastor and his wife. And it was just the moment I needed that encouragement. He wrote a card to me, and in this card he wrote these verses. Romans 16, 1 and 2. I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Centria, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many, and of myself also. It said Phoebe was a helper of many. 
I feel like if at the end of my life that could be said of me, I'd, I'd be fulfilled in my purpose. Our service is for God alone and brings him glory. Jesus humbled himself and became a servant, as we see in Philippians 2, and submitted to all that meant for his life, including death on the cross for sins that were ours, not his. That kind of sacrificial service might seem like an impossible task. So I exhort us this way today. Good morning. Your mission should you choose to accept it, is to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. You are tasked to follow the example of Jesus Christ and serve others. Serve your neighbor, serve your church, serve your spouse, serve your children, your parents, your siblings, your friends, a stranger, the poor, the person no one else wants to serve. For he who is greatest among you shall be a servant. This message will never self-destruct. Will you take on this impossible mission? Okay, so I think we all know that God has called us to serve now, right? And to serve specifically in the church, the place that we call our home. So I guess I have to end this episode by asking you, where are you serving? I think there's often a lie that we believe that some jobs in the church are more important than others. Some ways people serve are more important. But that's just not true. God calls us all to serve, period. Sometimes everyone's going to know the way we serve and sometimes we won't. I actually decided to leave you with a short list of ways that you and I can serve without ever being noticed or ever being asked to do these things. Okay, you could start up a conversation with someone that you have never met and spend some time getting to know them. Another way is you could ask questions to those you already know, getting to know them deeper. These could be about their growing up years, their favorite job, their favorite meal. There's so many great conversation starters, and that's a great way to serve others. If you are quite verbose, like I am, a great way to serve others is to let other people in Bible study answer first. It's really easy for me to jump on an answer right away. But serving others sometimes means, for me anyway, closing my mouth to give other people a chance to talk. Hey, look around. Well, actually, look down. Look down at the children in your life. Get to know a few of them on a personal level. Take a couple out for ice cream and ask them about themselves with those same sort of questions that you ask a new person. You could follow up with someone after they've shared a prayer request in Bible study or if they've shared it with you personally. You could take time to actually pray for them and then ask them the next time you see them how it went. You could invite a family over for dinner or a single person or a widow. If dinner isn't a good option for you, you could invite them for a walk at the park or to hang out at a coffee shop. You could look for people who are already doing things and serving, but nobody sees them serving and you could thank them. Send them a note, write them a thank you, text them. These are just a few ideas of things that I thought of that you could do without ever being asked to do it. And many of these are things no one will ever notice except God. I love the verse in Colossians 3.23. It says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. This is a great calling on our lives and really a great way to end this episode. Let's pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, I do thank you for each woman listening and the ways that you have taught us through this series of what our purpose is. Help us to remember every day what our purpose is and to cling to the truth of who you have called us to be. Help us to be focused on the design, the place you've put us, and how we can do the good works in front of us and serve others. I thank you that you have provided so much for us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. On next week's episode, we're going to be listening to another installment of Feminology. This is Feminology number three for the year, and it's all about emotions. And next week is an emotion that probably every one of us has felt, and that is jealousy. So join us next week as we walk through, pick apart, and figure out if jealousy is a good thing, if jealousy is a bad thing, and how we can honor God with our emotions. And remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God, until next time.